0: Lord, we pray as we look at your Bible now, may it speak to us. May we re- be reminded of your great love. Amen. Now you might have seen on the way in and on our website that our theme for this Christmas as a church is a king is born. On this, the coronation year of King Charles. But also it is central to Christian message in fact you'll find throughout all of the Bible really there is this running theme of king and kingdom It's almost on every single page sort of like playing a piano there is this bass note throughout the whole of the Bible the scripture story of king and kingdom and we've been looking at the story of Joseph as a church and that's again an image that has appeared throughout the Joseph story in the book of Genesis kings in the Bible they're an image of us to God when we see them in the story we're reminded that those who rule and reign in that way they're a little bit like us now I don't know about you I'm from Wigan in the northwest and I grew up in Ashton it was a lovely place, and I have a lovely family, but I didn't live like a king as I think kings live. And you might not too, but when, but you might have. But you might, when we see kings in the Bible, in a sense, they're a picture of what we are like before God. They're the best of us, and they're the worst of us at times too. But also in the Bible, when we see stories of kings, like King Herod, in the story we've had today and we've just heard that story of Jesus being born and Herod's fear at Christ's potential reigning, establishing of his kingdom. Um, These kings are also the image of God to us. They are supposed to be the picture of God's sovereignty, of their power, of God's kindness. They're a picture of God to us. Their office, their kingly office and King Herod's role was supposed to speak to God's people about the goodness of God. We've considered those things in the story of Joseph where one man was raised up and he built those barns that many people wouldn't starve in a time of famine but found hope and rescue and food in a moment of need. But we see it in the story of King David in the Bible And Josiah, where good kings are raised up at good times to remind us of God's kindness, leading the people in worship, in repentance, and in faith. Now, let me be quite clear these kings in the Bible, they're not God. They're supposed to be the image of God. But you can see in the story, or maybe you're guessing already, where things can go wrong when earthly kings begin to view themselves as all-powerful. At the worst, like we've read in the story of King Herod, they manipulate their office and ruin the people. But at their best, they lead us in worship. They point us to the King of Kings and are a sign to us of God's goodness. Now, to paint that picture further I've invited three friends to help us see what it is to be a good king in three different ways So they're at the back, could I just invite my friends up? You might just want to give them a round of applause as they come So this is my friend, our first king the wise man from the east, my friend Peter I might need your help. Wow, you have really committed, Sam. Thank you. You might want to help me try and guess what these other kings are. Now, who do we think this is on this side? Could you just shout it out for me? It's the king of... It's Elvis, the king of rock and roll. Well done. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, who do we think this is the king? This is King... King of the jungle, isn't that a lion? It's King Kong, there you go. Now throughout this talk we're going to look at the kingship of Herod. How he was someone who was obsessed with fame, the king of rock and roll and of status. We're going to consider King Kong, who's representative to us of power. And then the wise kings from the east who came to worship him. But they came bearing gifts of gold and they're going to talk to us of riches. Now, my nan might be watching online and since I've got Elvis here and I'm not quite sure where he is. I'm not much of a singer, but as you're in such good voice tonight, church, do you you fancy singing a song with me? (laughs) Do you know any Elvis? Are you up for it? those that know me knows I'm not much of a singer so this is going to go one of two ways but I'm up for a little bit of karaoke tonight if you are, would you sing with me if you know the words, I'm going to put myself out here Wise men say Only fools rush in But I can't help falling Take it away, Sam. No, we are joking. <laughs> well done. Now let us consider this Bible story and I hope this visual metaphor in front of your eyes here. Herod's fear at Christ's reign. That is the story that we've just read together in Matthew 2, a nativity story that's all too familiar to us, the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Verse one and verse two, wise men, sages and magicians from Eastern lands came to Jerusalem when Jesus was an infant still in Bethlehem. They came before the ruler of Judea, King Herod, and said, where is the one that has been born King of the Jews? Now, when you go into a palace and say to the ruling king, hey, King, King Herod, Where's the king that's been born today? That is going to put the person who is sitting on the throne, it's going to make them a little bit uneasy what you're talking about, isn't it? And so verse 3, when Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And that's an understatement really, as Rosie read so well. His reaction was horrible. History remembers Herod in a multiple, multiple ways. I got to visit the Holy Land earlier this year in June as part of my training to be a vicar and it was life changing. And we got to visit some of the places where Herod um, lived and the story of Jesus was we got to go to Bethlehem. What, was, what, what, what I learned about Herod was he was an incredible political mover so he was born into a, quite a wealthy family, he made friends with Rome, Julius Caesar and he was given an army to recapture Jerusalem from the Parthians in 37 BC before Jesus was born and he was successful and he climbed the ranks. Not only was he an incredible political mover, but he was a fantastic builder of architecture. He expanded the temple and built these huge monuments. He rebuilt the temple and doubled, trebled its floor plan. He was a fantastic builder, gesturing to the Jews that he was a faithful Jew. But at the same time, he was building himself these wonderful palaces for himself to live in. He was obsessed with status and wealth. In the middle of the desert, he built himself a Roman spa, an incredible feat to live a life of decadence and luxury just in his summer home. But also history remembers that he was unusually cruel. What he did to those children in Bethlehem was horrible and Jesus had to flee for his life as God spoke to Joseph in a dream. Other historians like Josepha remember the stuff he did with his family, marrying for success, banishing his son and his wife from the kingdom in order that he can secure his own status, his own fame, his own power, and his own riches. Disturbed? Yes. Corrupt? Definitely. Clearly, losing status losing riches and losing control were of ultimate concern for Herod. But I want us to see tonight not just our three kings, but how Jesus is unlike any other king we have ever seen. Jesus, our king, did not come to be a famous rock star like my friend over here, Sam and Elvis. He came in weakness, born into obscurity to a poor family outside of Rome, outside of Jerusalem in Bethlehem. The only person in all of history who could choose where and when they were going to be born chose Mary in Bethlehem with Joseph as a father to be raised in Nazareth, places of obscurity He went to these places, not just incidentally or accidentally, but to tell us something about who he is and why he came. Jesus chose weakness to go low so that we might be lifted up. He chose the status of this family and he chose... Um, to be born that way, that we might be lifted up, that through his life and his example and through his shameful death on the cross, by faith as he went low to the grave, we might be lifted up to God our Father in heaven through faith to become sons and daughters of God, to be princes and princesses in the kingdom. So our Jesus, our King, was not born as a rock star, though he became famous for his life and his love. But Jesus, our King, was not born into riches either. He was not born into a palace. He came in weakness. His birth was not announced with fanfare, but to shepherds on the hillside as they tended their sheep. He became poor so that we might be rich. And I'm not talking about gold and silver. I'm talking about richness to life, to purpose, to my own sense of self, to life with God the Father through Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. There is a richness to life that comes through what Jesus has done for us. That is beyond what I could possibly ask or imagine. I am loved by God and God loves me. That is the story that we're reading here in Matthew 2. How and why did he do it this way? Well, Jesus, our King, would not wield power as the world wields power, much like our friend over here, King Kong. And the way that Jesus chose to use his power, Jesus who was fully human and fully God, the way that he went low and laid his life down for others, for you and for me. Unlike Herod, Jesus' war was not won with legionnaire armies against a city under siege. But Jesus won the war against sin to bring you and me back to God. And He waged war against death and the grave, rising to new life and ascending to heaven, to seat at the right hand of the Father now, victorious, praying for you and praying for me. Jesus' is war was against the darkness of this world and the darkness that's in our hearts. Like I said at the beginning, Herod is a picture of God or the king was supposed to be a picture of God. Supposed to tell us, be an image of all the good things that God is to us, but Herod had corrupted it. But also Herod is a picture of us, the dark bits of our lives, where we seek our own fame and status where we seek our own riches and pleasure and the times where we seek to be control of our own lives at the cost of others. Jesus came to make right that wrong in our hearts and by his spirit give us a new heart that we might know him, love him and worship him. You might think, and this is where I'm gonna finish, I wish this was true. And I'm here this evening to say it is. And it is the good news that this world desperately needs to hear. Look what's happening in the story we've just read in Matthew 2. At the time of Jesus' birth, violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, Refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart and bottomless grief. Into that darkness, a king was born. But when we consider that story, we also can't help but think of the world that we live in today. We read the news and we see the scenes in Israel and Palestine. We look at our neighbourhoods and we see some of the ways that those that are nearest to us are neglected and forgotten. As we reflected earlier in this service, the things that we do and say that we know we shouldn't do and say, or we think about the things that we should have done and said that we chose not to do and say. It sounds like the darkness is still in the world today. Timothy Keller said the world is dark in two ways. It is filled with evil and untold suffering. But the other way that the world is in darkness is that no one knows enough or how to cure the evil and suffering that's in the world. We're either pessimistic and bury our heads in the sand and say, I'll just ignore it, or we're overly optimistic and say, if we just pull together, if we just work harder, the light within us can overcome the darkness in the world. We can do it through unity and perseverance. But the story of Advent, the story of Christmas and of Christ's coming, is a story that does not ignore the darkness in the world. Instead, it says, yes, things are really this bad. But it doesn't ignore it. It says, God has done something about it. A king has been born. There is darkness, and God takes that really seriously. But at the same time, God is with us. And he wants to do something about it in us and through us. The Christmas message is this. Those who are living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A king has been born. A king has come. Not that a light has sprung up from within, but that something has come to us in the person of Jesus, much like a candle that has been planted deep within the world as a sign that God has made his home amongst us, that he cares, that he is coming again to drive out all darkness, to give us new hearts that will love him and worship him. And this is good news for you. It's good news for me and for all who believe in Jesus because a light, a king has come.